Good evening. Um, we're going to learn today. This week is Parshas Yisro. It's the Parshas of the Parsha of the giving of the Torah. We're going to learn a discourse in, in Torah Oyer. Zochar Asiyim Hashabbos Lekatcha. We haven't learned Torah Oyer in a while because Baruch Hashem, we've taught already most of the book. Um, so most of the Parshas we've already learned. But here is a very special Maimer. Zochar Asiyim Hashabbos Lekatcha. Um, this is the second in, in, in uh, Torah Or, there are two Maimarim on Zachar Asiyah Mashabbos Lakachri. One of them we learned already a few years ago, and now we're going to learn the second one. This is on Daf Ayin on page 70. Daf Ayin, and, and over here it's page, on the number page, it's page 140. Daf Ayin on Medalid. Okay, beginning with the word Zachar Asiyah Mashabbos Lakachri, which is part of the Ten Commandments. Remember the day of Shabbos to make it holy. Interesting, the Mimer doesn't talk a lot about Shabbos. The Mimer actually is all about the giving of the Torah and the significance of it, the meaning of it, what happened at Matan Torah, what is the power of it. Um, relates to, to some degree to the commandment about Shabbos. Um, I am not going to teach you this Mimer from what I know. I'm going to teach you this Mimer. Hopefully, not, I'm not teaching. We're going to learn this Mimer. Um, from what I don't know, because simply because I didn't prepare this well. Okay, so now we're ready to go. And but I, from the, from learning it just briefly, it it appears that the mimer is kind of learnable. Sometimes they're very very cryptic. But now, uh, so uh, let's hope with the Eberster's help, it will open up as we learn. Okay, we begin. Remember the day of Shabbos to sanctify it. Uksiv, and elsewhere it says, in Parshas Ve'eschanon, it says, when it repeats the Aseris Adibris, the Ten Commandments, the second time, it says, Observe the day of Shabbos to sanctify it. So, how come the first time it says, Remember the day of Shabbos? And the second time it says shamar, which means guard. So, the sages say that when Hashem spoke by the giving of the Torah, He said them both. And not only did He say them both, but He said them both simultaneously, equally. They both came out of His mouth at the exact same time. Zachar v'shamar b'dibur echad nemru. Zachar v'shamar were both said b'dibur echad, but in the Torah it could not be recorded together. Because you can only write on the parchment one thing at a time. You can't write both of them. So it was written in the first, um, the first uh, uh, recording or writing of the Aseris Adibris was written Zachar. And then in, and in the second recording of Aseris Adibris in Parshas Ve'ezchanon, it was written Shomor. But really, Zachar Ve'shomor, B'dirbit Echad Nemru, were both said in one Dibur. That which the mouth is not able to speak, meaning a human mouth is not able to do that, to speak two, two, two utterances at the same time. And the ear is not capable of hearing. So we're not able to hear. The ears can hear one, one, one thing, can't hear two things at the same time. And that's why when you have you know, two, two, two people speaking at the same time, you can either tune your ears to one or to the other, but you can't process two at the same time. 
So over here, the Zohar and Shama were said mamish together. So the question over here is, okay, if Hashem wants to say them both, for whatever reason, together, He say them both, but we need to hear it. And since the people couldn't hear it, so what was the point of saying it in a manner that we can't hear it? and we need to understand, since the ear is not able to process, it's not able to hear. Why did Hashem make us hear like this, uh, uh, something that is not hearable? And to what benefit was such a bechina to hear something that we can't hear? The idea is as follows, for behold, it says in the Pasuk. So we have to understand that the Matan Torah and the receiving of the Torah was much more than hearing a bunch of commandments and instructions on how to live. Something much deeper happened in our neshamas, in our souls, by the giving of the Torah. Much more than just instructions, and we're, and we, and we're listening. Because he's going to ask the question, I mean, let's really think about it. The Torah is given, we make this whole big, big deal about the giving of the Torah. But what was given by the Torah? Only very little, 10 commandments were given. Most of the mitzvahs, most of our Jewish observance, we only found out later, over the 40 years period in the Midbar. We have so many more times 10 commandments, more than 10 commandments, the 613. So what's the big deal about these 10 commandments that were given at Sinai uh, when, when you say, okay, they're the root of all the other commandments, fine, but we don't see that. The Ten Commandments. So we have to say that something aside for commandments that happened, something deep occurred in our Nishamas by Matan Torah. And to further prove that, he says the fact that all Jewish people were there. Those that were alive were in attendance, no one was absent, everybody came. All those all living Jews were alive. But we also know that all Jews for all future generations were also there. We were all standing at the giving of the Torah. Matan Torah was assembled. All Jews, even the Nishamas, all, all souls of all generations were there. As Moshe Rabbeinu says in Pashas Nitzavim, those that are here, and those that are not here. Everybody was there by Matan Torah. Now, if Matan Torah was only about commandments, and we accepting to follow the commandments, then what benefit is it that souls are there that are not in bodies? See, souls that are in bodies, they can have a joint session, they can have a discussion. The soul talks to the body. Do you agree? Do you won't agree? Will you listen? You won't listen. And together, somehow, they have to figure it out if they will listen or they won't listen. And the Jewish people decided to say, Nasev and Ishma, we will listen. But it's something that needs to be decided by the joint, by, by both of them together. Because observance of Torah and mitzvahs cannot be done only with the neshama. Observance of Torah and mitzvahs needs cooperation. The observance of Torah and mitzvahs needs cooperation of body and soul. They both have to agree. And we know that if the neshama itself says, I want to do it, and the body decides that it doesn't want to go along with it, we got a bunch of tsaris. Not going to happen. Not necessarily happen. The neshama has to kind of get the body involved, inspired, uh, to get the body to want to do the mitzvah. So, if you have a bunch of bodiless souls standing in Har Sinai, shaking their head and accepting the mitzvahs, they're going to do it. Who are they to make the commitment they're going to do it if once they come into a body, the body might not go along with it? It might just refuse to do it. So, Bishlaim are the Jews that are alive, they're in Hashemis, inside bodies, so they can work it out and say, you know what, we're willing to accept. The body itself 
agreed with it. The partners agreed. But here, you have two partners, but only one of them is signing the contract. <laughs> and it's not going to work if the other one is not present. You need both of them to agree. So you have to say that the giving of the Torah was more than accepting commandments, listening commandments and accepting commandments. Because if it, all it was, was because Hashem wants to transmit some commandments and we will listen to it, then what's the benefit? So we understand why the living people need to be there. But the people that will be alive, they can't accept for their other partner. You need both of them to sign. And they can't sign for the other. So what's the point of them being there? So we have to say that some deep carving was carved out in our souls. Or in other words, some deep empowerment. We, the Jewish people, were empowered with a powerful empowerment by the giving of the Torah. And that was given to every neshama. So whether the body is there or the body is not there, something was planted. Or as he's going to explain later, God planted a chip into our souls that a non-Jew doesn't have. What's the chip? The chip is that you can do a mitzvah and the non-Jew can do the same mitzvah. Your, your mitzvah draws down a godly, infinite light of God into the world. The non-Jew puts on the same tefillin or wears the same tzitzis or does the same mitzvah and it has zero effect. Why? Because he was not standing there by Matan Torah and that chip was not planted in his soul. And it was planted in our souls. And it was that connection, that, that ability to be able to have the Wi-Fi connection with God in our mitzvahs, that, that sensor or receptor or trigger or whatever it is was put into our, and that's the main idea of Matan Torah. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal idea. It was the connection to the infinite. How far are we from the infinite? Infinite. So we can't just decide that we're going to do things and our activities and our actions are going to have infinite repercussions. What we do is going to cause an effect in God and is going to trigger a godly, a godly flow. How is that possible? Who do we think we are? We're tiny little shmendricks, we're little nobodies. That our Aveda should cause something infinite. The answer is, God hooked us up. He wired us. And when did that wiring take place? By Matan Torah. And for that reason, all Nishamas had to be there. Okay, so that's what, he, what he's, what he's going to explain over here. Ve'inyan, and the idea is, Kihine ach inyan, who kihine exhibit says in the Pasuk, Veloi itchem levatchem, it's not only you alone. Anoichi koides asabris azois, I am I'm sealing this covenant. Kies asheyash noipo, the ones that are here. Vesasheranenu po, those that are not here. Shekol hanishamis, because all the souls, Shehoyasidem, lislabish beguf, that eventually are going to be clothed in a body. Excuse me, at soif kaladoides kulam, all nishamis until all the end of all generations. It means even people that are alive today, all Jews that are alive today, whose souls came down in a body, they were all standing at, at, at the giving of the Torah. They were all by Har Sinai, the Kabbalah, the Torah, to receive the Torah. Even though they did not get enclosed in bodies until a later time. Even though the Nishamas didn't come down in a body till a later time, they, they were the ready there. They were invited to come to Matan Torah. to understand this. What's the idea of a Nishama without a body to receive the Torah? 
What is it going to receive? It can't commit, as he's going to explain, because, because it needs the body to consent, to go along, to cooperate. What is it going to affect? What is it going to help? It's acceptance. When it's not in a body, to fulfill the Torah, again, it can't do the Torah and mitzvahs when it is in heaven, because there are no mitzvahs in heaven. In order to do mitzvahs, you have to be in a body. So you're going to say it's pre-committing. It's committing now that it's going to do the Torah after it will come down in the body. Kishet the slavish beguf when it's going to come into the body. But you can't say that. Why? A person cannot sell. A person cannot give over ownership. I can't, I can't sell you something that I don't own yet. If I don't own something, I, even if I plan on buying it tomorrow, if I sell you something that I plan on buying tomorrow, if I sell you a car that I, that I don't have, and I'm going to buy it tomorrow, and I'm selling you today, it has zero, it's invalid. There's no, there's no, there's no validity. The sale is, is, is meaningless. Because I, can't, I don't have it yet. I can't sell it. So here's the thing. I can't make a commitment on something that I don't have yet. And in our case, I don't have a body yet. And I need a body to do mitzvahs. And the body is the one that usually has the hard time with the mitzvah. The soul, and, you know, the soul is ready to do everything because the neshama is a neshama. It's a holy being. But the body is not holy. The body is heavy and lazy and tired and not in the mood and anything else. So if the body is there and the body says, I appreciate this, I'll do it, okay. So that's a commitment. But how can the soul commit for the body? So a person cannot be, be makne, can't sell something that is not in a mishus. And maybe the goof, maybe the body is going to make problems. Maybe the body is going to hold back and is going to try to stop it. So that's another question. We also need to understand what it says Thou shalt not have any other gods before my face. So the question he's asking, it implies that if you can go somewhere that's not in front of my face, you can have another god. It's only in front of my face. That's where you're in front of me. Where I'm looking, don't have any other gods. That gets me very upset. Don't have any other gods. Why does God say Alpana in front of my face? I mean, is there a place that exists where it's not in front of God's face? Hashem is everywhere. So since, since God is everywhere, so what is he joking with us? In front of me, don't have any other gods. So where else should we have another god? So don't say it. Just say, don't have another gods, because it's impossible. So, in front of me, there's nothing but him. He's everywhere. All of this will be understood by first prophecy. What is the idea of the giving of the Torah? What happens? The Torah was given at that event. The Torah was given at that event. I mentioned this question before. Ten commandments. Ten out of 613. Forget about the rabbis. Come and added so many other things. But, but even in the Torah itself, it's only ten. So why do we call this event ten commandments? And are we so sure that there wasn't any other time that Moshe Rabbeinu came down the mountain and brought us maybe 16 commandments? Probably. I mean, Moshe kept on teaching the Yidden the various different commandments. And maybe at certain times, there were, when Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, Parshas Kedoshim, there was one time, Parshas Kedoshim has many more mitzvahs than Ten Commandments. So why don't we call that Matan Torah? Why, why call this? Because these were the first? It wasn't even the first. In Parshas B'Shalach, Hashem gave already some Yidden some of the mitzvahs when they were at Mara. He gave them some mitzvahs. So it's not like, so why at this point do we call this Matan Torah? So you have to say that there's some turning point. Something pivotal happened 
at that event. So uh, he says, Not the whole Torah with all of its klalim, all of its rules of prata and its details. Nemra Bahar Sinai was said at Har Sinai. Bishas Kabbalah said Torah at the time of the giving of the Torah. El Aseres Adibris Bilvat, only the Ten Commandments. Vichal Atayra Kula, and the whole rest of the Torah, Nemra Parshiyas Parshiyas, was said portions by portions. Kol Parsha, every Parsha, Bimoyada, in its time, Ubizmana, and it's right in its time. Kol Yemei Meshach Arbam Shanashai Bamidbar. During the entire duration of 40 years that the Jewish people were in the Midbar. So then what's, the, what, what's this event of Matan Torah? Inyan, rather the idea is as follows. Shebeshas Matan Torah, at the time of the giving of the Torah, something powerful happened. Nitan HaKoyach, the power was given, Vahachana, and the preparation, be Yisrael, in their Nishamis, Lios Mekablem Torah, that they should receive the whole Torah. Something was given to them then in regards to all the 613 mitzvahs that they were going to receive the rest of the time. They were going to receive it over the 40 years. It's going to take them to receive all the commandments. But what was given to them then was an empowerment to activate their souls, to activate that their mitzvahs should be mitzvahs and their Torah should be Torah, that it should be divine. It shouldn't be just a human activity doing certain things. It should, be, it should be God. That means while we do it, God does it along with us. And that it has cosmic effects in all realms because it's, it's releasing a divine energy. I mean, a human physical act in this world is triggering something godly. That's what it is. And that, as I mentioned earlier, Hashem had to plant a chip in their soul to be able to do that. He had to make the connection. Or He had to give a code into us that when it's like you know if you have the right code then you make the connection to whatever to that to that 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 um, whatever is when you need access into any today see today computer language and computers gave us made all these things so so tangible when you had to learn this 200 years ago it was a little harder to, to visualize it but now we understand you know you can push all the buttons you want and you don't have the right code to enter into the thing so that you can download or make the thing. What, what does it help? So Matan Torah, the Abishter gave us the divine code. Torah, that we should be able to receive the Torah. That we should be able to draw down the revelation of the infinite light. When we study Torah and we do a mitzvah. Even though right now, during the our during the time Tul Mashiach comes. We don't see any effects of the mitzvah we do. To us, it looks like a mitzvah. A mitzvah, it's another. It's a physical act, like any other physical act. It doesn't we don't hear thunder and lightning every time you do a mitzvah? But that doesn't mean because thunder and lightning is not happening. It's just that we're numb. We don't hear it. It is happening every time you put a penny in. It's a ducka box. You're causing a massive tsunami. You're causing an unbelievable storm. Uh, a monsoon of godliness is pouring just from the thing that we're doing. No, we don't know about it. Because if the, we would know about it, there wouldn't be Bechira Chavshis. We would be, we would be, we would, we would be, uh, you know, of course we would do everything. We would realize that, realize how awesome it is. So there wouldn't be a challenge, so it wouldn't be enjoyable to Hashem. Hashem likes us to struggle. Uh, we don't really, we, we're in the dark. We have no, do, we have no idea what kind of, what, what the buttons that, that we're pushing, what they're doing. And therefore we have a challenge. Should I go Davin Mincha or should I just lay, lay over here on the couch lazy and, 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 and read the news on my phone? 
You know, so you can sit and make those questions because you don't realize how powerful mincha is. So Hashem keeps it from us. But it really is happening when you're davening mincha, when everything you're doing, it's a mitzvah. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, to draw down the giloy of the erin soif, and our and And therefore, in order to enable this connection, so even all the future neshamas, the neshamas that were their souls already existed then, but even the neshamas that are not presently meant to come into bodies, neshamas that knew they have a long waiting season, they're only going to come down 1,500 years later, 2,000 years later after the giving of the Torah, 3,000 years later, like our souls. They're just coming down now. Still, when we do mitzvahs, it has power. It's potent because the connection is there. Hashem had to plant that power into our neshamas. So that's why all the neshamas, before they came, even before they came into bodies, they were all standing at Har Sinai to receive the Torah. Because also the neshamas, before they became enclosed in bodies, they needed this empowerment and they needed this hachana and this preparation so that eventually when they will come down, they will have power in their mitzvahs. And that power was only given once. It was only given by Matan Torah. That's when Hashem gave that, that strength. The Indian who and the idea is because Torah mitzvahs What happens when you're learning Torah and you're doing a mitzvah there is a unity between God and the person's neshama. Hashem and the neshama are unified. God and your soul become unified. Similar to what? We know that um, Hashem unifies Himself with certain attributes. We call them the kalim, the vessels of the world of atzilut. The vessels of the world of atzilus. There are ten attributes. Now we know the ten attributes are considered to be kalim. They're gar- they're, or they're, they're vessels. They're, 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 uh, they're garments through which Hashem operates through them. Fine. We know that even though these, these vessels are vessels, but Hashem unifies with them, they're godly. The Orein Soif, the Ebishter himself, unifies with his attribute of chesed to do chesed. Hashem is not chesed. But Hashem unifies with the attribute of chesed to do chesed. And Hashem unifies with the attribute of din or gevura to do gevura, and so on with all the attributes. Hashem, as it says in the Zohar, we're going to learn about it soon, Hashem is one with his emanations. He's one with his garments, which are the kalim of the sefirot. Fine. But then, after the sefirot, lower than the sefirot are the sefirot are godly, they're not God. There is God, which is the ensof, that has no sefira, no attribute. And then there's the sefirot. The very fact that we speak about certain defin, certain characteristic traits means that it can't be Hashem Himself. Because Hashem Himself is beyond all description, all limitation, all color. He's not blue or pink or yellow. He's higher than all physical description and all spiritual description. So He's not in, in the descriptive. But yet... There are attributes of Hashem where Hashem does have description. He ascribes to Himself kindness, judgment, beauty, whatever these, these, compassion, these attributes. Oh, 
So we say that the attributes, they're not God, but they're godly. They're godly attributes. That's in the world of atzilut, in the world of emanation. But then there's another world. The next world is already the world of creation. There, there's also a power of chesed. But the power of chesed of that world is not God anymore. It's angels that are kind angels. They're chesed diga malachim. Malachim that are kind. They're not God, they're not Hashem's attribute of kindness because they have already a sense of separation. They're, 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 they're beings of kindness, but they're already somebody and something that feels itself like a creation, like Hashem made a malach Michael, and he is a kind malach who's always doing kindness, saying he sees the good in everybody, he always says good about people, he's a malach of love, but he's a malach that has love, he's not Hashem. And the same is the power of gvura, the power of, in, of judgment, the power of intolerance, and that's the power of Malach Gavriel, harsh. And it's not God's intolerance, it's the Malach that has intolerance. And so is the Midas. So again, what's happening over here, you're dealing also with entities. They are also, they are similar to the Atsilus Kalim. The difference is that in Atsilus we can say the Kalim are godly, they're not God, but they're godly, and God unifies with them. And then, these are not godly. They're, they're, they're celestial beings. They're malachim, but they're not godly. You can't refer to them. They're not called Eloikus. They're called Nivra. Nivra creation. Okay? Yet, here's a Chiddush. And now, oh, let's take that further. Then we go down further, lower, that, that's the world of angels. We go down further, and there's lower kinds of malachim, Olam world of formation, where the creations are already more fermented, more limited, more disconnected. And finally, we have physical human beings in this world. And physical human beings are for sure entities that are not God. They're something. They're Metsias. They're something. But here is what happens. Remember we learned, oh, we learned about this a few weeks ago. Where the Ebershter says to David HaMelech, he says, I swear to you, I'm not going to, for the Beis HaMikdash, I'm not going to use my vessels, I'm going to use your vessels. We learned about it in a mimer a few weeks ago. Hashem told David HaMelech. When David HaMelech changed, we had an amazing mimer, we just, I remember it now. We had an amazing mimer when we were learning about the difference between the, je- the kings, the court jesters. Who are the ones that are singing before the king? If it's the Kohanim or the Leviim. Usually the Leviim are the court jesters. But David HaMelech went and he put the Kohanim, the Kohanecha, and Hashem said, wow, I'm amused by that. That's a chidush. And because of that, I'm going to come down and dwell in the Beis HaMikdash. Okay? So over there we learned the concept that usually Hashem is not misyached with the kelim of Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya. Usually Hashem is misyached only with the kelim of Atzilus. Because the kelim of Bria, Yitzira, and Asiya are already too coarse that He should be unified with them, that He should operate in them and should be considered that He is... He, that he's enclosed in them and he is them. He can inspire them, but it's not like he is one with them. It's a big chiddush, but yet, oh, there is an, an exception, we say, by the Beis HaMikdash. There's an exception, is the name Tzvaois. We say one of Hashem's names is Tzvaot. Hashem elokei Tzvaois. Elokim Tzvaois. What does the word Tzvaois mean? So the sages say Tzvaois means Ois who, Hashem is a letter, he's an Ois, in his army. What does that mean? He's a, he's a letter in the army. 
he has an army of malachim. And the army is malachim. Malachim are not him. They're angels. Yet what happens? Hashem's ois, he puts his, the ois is the shekhinah, is one letter of Hashem's name. She goes down and channels, and there are some times when the malachim cease to be malachim, and they become shluchim, they become emissaries of God, and to a point where they lose themselves at that moment, and now they're just funnels of Hashem. That means he, he becomes, and here's the thing, tzavakos means hosts. That's not him, but yet it's Hashem's name. Hashem alakim tzavakos. Because they sort of lose their identity in, in Hashem. So what's happening is Hashem is becoming miyuchad with kalim that are generally not kalim to be miyuchad with him. They can't be because they're finite. They're finite creatures, limited beings. Yet at this moment, Hashem descends into them, unified with them, and they are considered as him and he is them. That's a chiddush. That he, in other words, in at that Hashem unifies with the Sefirot, that's not a chiddush. That's the way it's meant to be. That there are Sefirot, and Hashem is considered like the Neshama, and the Sefirot are considered like a body. So you say that, uh, like it says in the, the we say in Pasach Eliyo, Nishmasa Lagufa, you're the Neshama to the body. And there they've come a Gufin to Kunas line. And how many Gufin did you, did you make? They're considered a body. And the Abish, there is the neshama to them. Okay, body and neshama go together. But these are already considered like something outside of a person. It's not his body. It's like something else. And yet, the Abish, it's almost like the idea of shluchai shal adam kemaisai. If I do something, if I'm doing it, so you say, are you going to say, oh, Yankel did something through his body. It's not Yankel did something through his body. Body and soul are one. So when, when Yankel's body does something, it's not the Nishama did something through the body. It's, it's Yankel, whose Nishama and Gov did it. So, but when you decide to make someone a Shliach on your behalf, so what's the thing? That person becomes like an extension of you. In that act, they're you. Oh, what, what does that mean? That means you're extending yourself beyond the borders of your own body, of your own, your own guf. And in a sense, you're entering into their guf, and their guf becomes a, a, a keli for your nefesh. So, because now they're acting on behalf as, a, as... That act is not considered that they did it. It's considered as like you did it. Because their, their, their hand is your hand. Their action is your action. There is an absolute oneness now. There is a, a, continu, a continuum... There is a continuum of yourself in that person. Even though the person is not, is, is not it's a separate metzias. That's the chidush. That's a chidush of what we say. That sometimes the eibishter is mesiached by yetzias mitzrayim. That's what happened. Yatsu kol tzivais Hashem. Now, the, the idea of tzivakois. Tzivakois means his armies and yet he is tzivakois. It's his name. Tzavakos is one of the names of Hashem that you're now to erase. Seven names that are not erasable. Tzavakos is one of the names. Ayat Malachim. Yeah, but that's the Chiddush over here. That the Abish unifies with Kalim that are really... That the, see, there's two things. There's something called Netzalim and there's something called Nivraim. Netzalim are... It's, Netzalim means emanations. So the emanator and the emanations can unify. Oh, that makes sense. But that the Eberster should become one with a Nivra, with something that inherently has separate consciousness, that's a Chiddush. So he's saying that happens every time we do a mitzvah. 
every time we do a mitzvah, we, we are now becoming shluchai shaladam. We become the shliach of the Abishter, And Hashem is misyachid with our action. That means when I'm giving tzedakah, it's not you giving tzedakah. You are funneling God's kindness through your hand. And it's an infinite expression of the Abishter's kindness coming through your physical fingers and giving tzedakah. And that's when you give tzedakah. When a non-Jew does tzedakah, it's like a beautiful, noble act. It's a wonderful act. But the divine is not coming through it. It's not happening. Because he doesn't have the mitzvah. That's what mitzvah means. Mitzvah means connection. And mitzvahs were given to the Jewish people. So when you do any mitzvah that we're doing, we're activating the godly, and the godly becomes, enters into the human being, and it becomes assimilated into you. And at the moment you're doing a mitzvah, you're not you. You're like tzavakos. The abishter is now expressing himself through you. For that to happen, for a nivra gashmi, for a physical human being made out of flesh and blood, to be able to become an expressor and, and unified uh, and actualize it, that is a huge chidush. It's an incredible novelty. And that was accomplished by Matan That the Eberster is deciding to, to um, channel himself down through, through nivra'im, and not stam nivra, not spiritual beings, physical beings. That's like the lowest thing. And yet... This becomes a, a channel and an expressor of the Abish. That's what he's saying over here. The Indian who through Torah mitzvahs mezgale, this reveals yichud oirin soif baruchu, the yichud of the oirin soif of the infinite light, benefesh adam in in your neshama. The Abishter becomes misyached with you. God becomes misyached when you're learning Torah. God becomes unified with your koach hasechol. When you're doing chesed, then Hashem becomes unified with your power of kindness and your power of mercy, or whatever it is, compassion. Kenoida as it is known. Yesh loimar, what I was explaining now is all the parentheses. Yesh loimar al derech mashakosah beparshas boy, similar to what it says in parshas boy, divramasko beetzam ayoimazeh, bepidu shem tzvakois. What's the meaning of the name tzvakois? What's the chiddish of the name tzvakois over all the other, all the other names? All the other names of Hashem is referring to Hashem as He is channeling through a netzal, through the emanations, through the sefirot of Atzilut. In When Hashem is unified with sefirah sachesed, then Hashem is called Kale. When Hashem is emanating through the sefirah sagvura, then Hashem is called Elohim. When Hashem is emanating through sefirah sayesoid, then Hashem is called Shakai. In the various different sefirot where Hashem is emanating through. Oh, but when Hashem uses not the emanations of Atzilus, and He starts emanating and channeling through Malachim, and the Malachim cease to, and this act is not attributed to the Malach, it's attributed to God, ooh, that means Hashem is putting on, not a fine suit, Hashem is putting on a, a space suit, meaning a clumsy outfit, and yet He's going to express itself through this dense, clumsy outfit, which is considered a Malach, compared to the which compared to the uh, sefirot, which are not, which are godly. This is not godly. This is a creation. That's the whole point. Shem that Hashem is becoming misyached with his hosts, with the host of creations. He has many hosts of creations. Bibia, Hashem is unifying himself in bria yitzir and asiya, which usually that doesn't happen. Kemoi with the same unification that he has in atzilus. 
ein Sham. So he's misyached, he unifies himself with the vessels of Bria Tzirinasiyah. Until it becomes that he is, he is the Malachim. <laughs> they're him and he's them. Oh, that's a Chiddush. Because they're inherently creations. Okay, so, now, so this is what happens when we do a mitzvah. It's a much bigger Chiddush. Because the Malachim Saif Kul Saif are what? Refined entities. Very, 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 very fine spiritual beings. They're creations, but the spiritual beings. Here we're talking about that Hashem should become unified with physicality, with a physical human being in your action. And he says, that's, that's crazy. A nefesh, a soul, is a creation. And it is an entity that came, it's relatively new. What do we mean it's new? It was once didn't exist, and now it came into existence, so it's not divine. Divine is absolute, what always was. A soul is something that came into beingness, from non-being to existence. So it's a creation. And thereby, very, 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 very limited type of being. And it's infinitely apart from God, who is an absolute existence, real, eternal, forever. And how do these two, two become one? And there is no comparison at all between a creation and the creator. And the supernal emanator. Who he is exalted and elevated. Kadosh, holy. Umuvdal and separated. Above, above, above. With a gazillion separations. With an ain't sof separation. As we say, you are holy. And even your name. Name is only a ray. Imagine, look at the sun, and the sun gives off rays. So God, there is God, and then there are the rays of God, emanations from God. Even that is kadosh. Even that is kadosh, meaning holy. Holy means transcendent, removed, infinitely higher than any form, any definition. We say that even Hashem's name is elevated alone. Only a ray of His name. There is Him. Then there is his name, which a name is only a ray of him. And then there is a ray of the ray, like a ray of the ray, which is called hoidoi. It, it's, oh, we say, we say, we, we thank Hashem, we say, that even his name is alone, is beyond creation. Alone meaning he doesn't, he's, he's not, the creation can't handle it. It's too powerful creation. So all heaven and earth and endless, the universe is crazy. The unit, that's the physical universe, the spiritual worlds and everything. They can't handle God's name. They can't nash, they can't nibble on God's name to be sustained by it. It's too powerful. Only a ray of his name is, and even that is not even inside the heaven and the earth. Even a ray is above the heaven and the earth. <laughs> so we're dealing with, so the only thing that enters heaven and earth is a ray of a ray of a ray of his infinite light. So we're dealing with and Nishamis are all, the whole day praising him. What does that mean? They're, they're praising Hashem, which means they realize that God is he's beyond, 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 and never ever reachable. And the, then the question is now we're saying, however, when you do a mitzvah, 
that infinite, endless, boundless God that's a source of the name, which the name is the source of that infinite light that's still higher than heaven and earth, which that's a source of what creates the cosmos. See how many sources? One thing is a source for the next, which is the next. We're dealing with it so much higher. How can that very, very source of sources, Hashem Himself, become unified with you, with a physical creature, that at the time that you're doing a mitzvah, you're not you, you are Hashem. That's what he's saying. That's the Amos. It's not you. And God is coming through you. You're channeling. The Eich is Galeba. And how can be revealed in the Nefesh, Yichud Oirein Saif Baruch The Yichud, the unification of the Oirein Saif, which means God Himself is now revealing Himself in your Neshama. God with all of His infinity, with all of His infinite power. Mamish, Be'esek And the Rebbe says the word Mamish. Don't think we're making jokes over here. This is literally, literally the Ganser there. The whole God is now revealing Himself in your brain. How can your brain not explode? It doesn't make any sense. In the study of Torah and doing mitzvahs. And he gives the example. You can't say it's the quality of the action. It's the tefillin. It's the mezuzah. It's the tzedakah. Because if the non-Jew does it, it's not pushing any buttons. It's not activating anything. It's not revealing it. It's a nice act. Fine. If the non-Jew does it, a Gentile does it. He's not drawing anything godly. I'm not saying it's not spiritual. Maybe he can channel some kind of a spiritual energy. That's true. Non-Jews can, can tap into a spiritual realm. But what's that? That's Olam Haruchni. <laughs> Higher than our physical world, there's a spiritual Olam And if the person is like a real Dalai Lama, and he can close his eyes and really go up a little higher, maybe, I don't know his powers, I don't know his spiritual powers, maybe he can go three notches up into a Chveswas. And through 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 practice and deep meditations and and he can go into a higher realm. I'm not saying no. I mean, we, you know, definitely um, uh, Gentiles have access to spiritual energies. But where is it? It's a few flights up, a few stories up. In what? In a infinite. In a in a in a in a in a in a world that is has endless infinite layers of higher spiritual worlds, spiritual worlds, infinite. But that's not God. That's the creation. And beyond all of that is Hashem. And Hashem, and Hashem, and Hashem Himself. And we're saying when a Yid does a mitzvah, and it doesn't make a difference who. Any shmegegi guy. It doesn't make a difference, meaning it doesn't require the guy be a big tzaddik and a big this. Any Jew, you grab a guy off the street, right? He's, 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 you find him in the restaurant, he's eating uh, whatever, he's without his yarmulke, there you go, and you put him on, put him, knock a yarmulke on his head, roll up his sleeve, and he does, he's holding him in a leading, he does you a favor, he puts on tefillin, and guess what's happening? God's infinite light is now unified with his brain, and it's being physically revealed in his, in, it's being revealed in his neshama. How? How is that possible? And through the non-Jew doing the mitzvah, there won't be any any revelation of the Ein Soif. Only to the Jewish people this was given. When was it given to us? At Har Sinai. That they should have a koach and they should have the preparation. That they should draw down the revelation of the Oyrin Soif literally in their Eisek Torah when they study Torah and in their Avodah Mitzvah. This will also explain something else. If God just wanted to communicate commandments, like most people understand it, 
God wants to give you commandments. So why does Hashem have to come and scare the daylights out of us? That's what he did. He had thunder and lightning and the place was quaking and shaking and everybody died like a bunch of times. It was too much to handle. Why did God do that? If all he wants is to give us commandments, come on, so talk nicely. <laughs> if you want to talk, to talk nicely. <laughs> why, why the scare? So the Rebbe says, because for us to be able to receive this chip, Hashem is planting this chip inside of us, for us to be able to receive this, we could, which means this infinite power. When you're finite, you can't, you can't absorb something infinite because your finitude doesn't allow you, your limitation doesn't allow you. So the only way to receive this, we needed to be recreated. We had to cease to exist and come back in. It's almost like we were born again by, by Matan Torah. We became new people. And the way we became new people was our previous existence dissolved, and then we came out as a new existence. And then, now we have the infinite power. So the Jew, before, before, before the, the Torah was given, and the Jew, two days later, after the Torah was given, are two different people. Here he's a limited human being with all the, finite, the finiteness of a human, and here suddenly, he's a being who has the ability to activate the divine in, in, in his activities. It's awesome. How do you do that? So to create from one existence something totally different, the only way you can do that. So there is something called growth. You grow from one level to the next level in everything. From, you know, from preschool, you go, to, you go to elementary school. From elementary school, you go to uh, middle school. From middle school, you go to high school. High school, you go to college. So you're growing. That's, a, that's when growth is measured. One thing leads you into the next. But when you need to take a quantum leap into something that is totally, the only way to do that is through a, usually in a person's life, if they're gonna have growth that's completely in a different level, it's usually not through a process. Something very traumatic happens in a person's life that shakes you or breaks you or puts you through hell. And then you can come out and you're a new person in a whole different level of understanding and appreciation. People have, you know, any great people that had like something that happened in their life that like totally like, and then that and it, why? Because just like a seed, you know, to make a, to make a from, from an old tree, to make a new tree, you have to put the seed in the ground and the seed has to rot. It has to become not. And from the nothingness can come a new, a new existence. A new, a new entity. Sometimes in a person's life it's that way. When Hashem shakes us up, that, that your whole life goes upside down, especially a person loses his job, or loses his thing, and everything is like, like you feel like an Adra, but that, that, that's a proof that Hashem wants to take you to a whole new world, which you can't creep step by step. The previous world has to collapse for that new world to grow out. So by Matan Torah, that's why Hashem made the thunder and the lightning and all of that, Basically, as we said earlier, it scared the daylights out of us. It nullified us completely, and we all turned into absolute nothing. And in, from that nothingness, we grew out this great godly people that has the power to swing our hand and shake the, cosm the cosmos. That's it. And we can do that. No one else can do that. The the loy, the, the, the here we are. Um, uh, the alkane, and therefore, nitnaha Torah, the Torah was given brash, with a great thunder, with a, with a, with a, Rashi usually means like a quake, an earthquake. And um, sounds, is, is thunder. is thunder. Sounds and, and the Pasuk goes on to tell us how much the people were shaking in the Machana. In order for there to be a new beingness, a new existence, 
You can't create something new, something from something. You can't do that. Just like a seed. You're putting it into the earth. You can't take the seed and turn the seed into a tree unless the, the seed will first cease to exist. In order for it to be renewed into a different type of existence, first it has to rot and decay. It has to go back into the earth. When the yesh, when the tree becomes ayin, becomes not, that's when it gives birth to a renewed and a new, a new existence. The same was also by the time of the giving of the Torah. Through the rash, through the noise, the sounds and the thunder. Until the entire people that is namachne were all trembling. The people came to a state of bitl b'metzias. It knocked their socks off them completely. Once they were bottle, now they can become new creatures that can host and facilitate the Ein Soif in their bodies. And they literally died. It wasn't just being scared. Every time Hashem spoke, their souls took flight. They died, and Hashem had to resurrect them. And through their yesh, their beingness, becoming nothing, becoming not, now the chip that we spoke about before was planted in their souls. Oir chadash, a new light. Mepchenas oirin soif baruchu from the oirin soif baruchu mamish. Liyos gilu oirin soif baruchu mamish penafshosam. So now there can be the revelation of the ein soif literally in their souls. Vezehu maimer Moshe Rabbeinu olav ashalim. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was telling the people: Don't be afraid. They were terrified. They had no idea what hit them. Like they didn't realize that they're going to have to die a bunch of times. So they're thinking to themselves: What is going on? Why is this happening? Why is Hashem doing this? And the answer Moshe tells them, calm them, don't be afraid. It's meant to be. Don't think like you're, you're not worthy. It was all pre-planned. This was meant to be. Moshe says to them, God came, simply it means, for the sake of testing you. That's the simple meaning. To test you. However, he's learning the word nasos means also from the word laharim nes. To lift up something high, a flag, a banner. It means Hashem is came, what for? To, to raise you up. How much is He raising you up? He's raising you up from your limited finitude of a finite creature. And you're now being elevated to become a channel of God in this world. And that's pretty awesome. You're no more the finite creature. Your hands and feet are no more limited feet and hands of a regular human being. You're going to activate godliness every time you move your body. I'm now, as we said before, I am wiring you up with me. Now that is called elevated. There's no greater elevation than that. What does it mean? I'm picking you up. The Eibishter came with sounds and with thunder. Until everybody trembled. So they will become completely nullified. And now they can emerge on the other side of the oven. And come out as fresh new human beings with his godly power. 
Kaniskalyal, as we said earlier. Vihine, now we begin the next page. Now we went out. Angels, they wanted to have this. Obviously, this is really cool. And the Malachim were thinking, like, why can't we be the ones who will be the channels of the divine? Why give it to those, you know, uh, uh, coarse human beings? The Malachim asked for the Torah. The Amru, and they said, Give your glory on heaven. Similar to what we learned earlier, because there's sometimes that the Malachim are also become unified with Hashem. Like we say, Tzvakos, that Hashem is Tzvakos, that Hashem is Ole. But, that's only temporary, and that's not in the same way like Jewish people do when we went through our Torah. So, they wanted the Torah. And Hashem, and Hashem did not give it to them. And the reason He didn't give it to them, because they're not capable of handling it. Even though, it seems that they're much greater than us, He's not going to explain, that's not true. Malachim are greater than us only um, as we are now in physical bodies. We have the limitations of the body. But if we took, take just a pure soul and measure it up against the Malach, souls are much higher than Malachim. And they come from a much deeper and inner place in God than the Malachim. And angels, therefore, don't have it within them to be able to be extensions of Hashem, expressors of Hashem. They don't have it. They can be wonderful, they can be wonderful creations servants of God, subjects of Him. But they can't be an extension of Hashem. They can't do that. Only the Jewish people can. And that's because from the original source from where they're emanated from. We're not even measuring the Malachim versus the Neshamas. We're measuring the divine, the, the, their, their source in Hashem where they come from. When Hashem created the Malachim, which power inside of Him did God activate to create them? And he's going to explain that angels are created from a very external power of Hashem Himself. It's Hashem's chitzainiistic abilities, His external energy that He uses to create the Malach. When Hashem creates the human being, the Neshamas, they're, de- they're derived from a much deeper inner part of, of Hashem. The difference is that Malachim come from Hashem's speech and Neshamas come from Hashem's thoughts. And thought is one with the thinker. The thinker and the the thinker and the thoughts are unified. Speech, even though a person is quite attached to his speech, to his or her speech, but yet speech is considered more external, it's more for the outside than it is for the inside. It's more of an external element. And therefore speech, you can choose to enclose yourself in speech. Speech and thought are both made up of letters. That's one of the ideas he's going to develop over here. Speech and thought are made up of letters. But the difference between, and letters are what? Letters are garments. Because letters are, you take an idea, or you take a feeling, and you enclose it in words. Any feeling you have, you're clothing it in words. What's a, what's, what, what's a good poet? What's someone who's a, who's a poet? A poet is able to create elegant garments for his feelings. Other people have coarser garments. They don't know how to put it down. They, they put their feelings in a very blunt way. This is what I feel. A poet is able to put it in a very beautiful garment. That's what it is, garments. Because how do you know it's a garment? You can take the same feeling and put it into different, into, uh, into different words. It's something people always say. In other words, how many times? Every, every teacher that's teaching always. In other words, 
So what's the point of it? I'm dressing the idea like this. Maybe you're not getting it. Maybe this costume isn't good. It doesn't work for you. So here's in other words, I'm saying the same thing, but I'm putting it in other words because maybe you're more familiar with this, this type of thing. So I'm garbing it in this garment. Because, understand, the words are not the idea. The words are just the vessels, the containers in which you're putting the idea in so you can give it over. So there are words, there are letters of speech, and there are letters of thought. And what's the difference? Letters of speech, you can, you, can, you can decide to dress yourself in those letters, and then you can decide at certain times you don't want to put them. And you don't, you don't use your speeches, they're silent. But thought is constant. It can't stop thought. It's all the time. So you see that these thoughts, the thoughts are garments that are like, it's like a garment, but it's like a garment that's part of you. It's like the snail. The Gemara says that the snail, the Zohar says that the snail has a garment, has clothing, but the garment is the snail itself. It's part of his body. He has his own little shell. The shell is the snail, like the turtle also. It's a garment, but it's from it itself. So thought is also like a garment, but it's a garment that's part of you. That's why you can't shake it off. You could shake off this thought and think another thought, but you can't take off the entire garment of thought. Speech, you can take it off. I'm not, I'm not going to talk. Another difference is you can, you can think an idea and you don't have to speak it. There are many ideas or many feelings that you're never going to put them into words. You're never going to verbalize it or articulate them into words. But you can't experience a, a feeling or an idea without letters of thought. If you just want to experience the idea without, without any thoughts, it doesn't work. You always find yourself talking to yourself in your mind. It's always coming through words. Sometimes the words are very, very benign, very, 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 very soft, very, very, that you don't even realize that you're hearing words. You just think you, you're just so caught up in the feeling, or you're so caught up in an idea, and you don't hear your words that you're saying the idea in. But there's always machshava. There's not possible to have a seichel, or to have a midah without machshava. Because as we said earlier, it's like the snail that has its garment that's part of it. As opposed to putting on a jacket. You decide to put it on, you decide to take it off. Put it on or take it off. That's the difference between speech and thought as it applies to God as well. When Hashem creates malachim, He creates them from an external letters, letters that He are not part of Him. He just uses them, so to speak. And that's how He creates them. So therefore, malachim inherently, from their very source, are not one with God, they're something else. Neshama is, they come from Hashem's thoughts. Yisrael, Olu b'machshava. So we are inherently one with Him. And therefore, we are the only ones who can attach ourselves to Him and become His channels, His emanate. In other words, that's the neshama when the neshama, before it came down. The neshama is part of Hashem's thoughts. Then the neshama goes on an infinite journey. It descends from Hashem's thought. It goes down, 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 down. It finds itself to become a consciousness. It becomes, a create, so to speak, a creation. And then it enters into the world. And then it enters into a physical body. And it's down here in a body. So it's very far from what it once was, Hashem's thoughts. But yet, since it begins in Hashem's thoughts, therefore we are able to, through Torah and mitzvahs, become back unified with Hashem and therefore activate and channel Him. Malachim can't do that because from their very source from where they've been excavated, it's not Hashem Himself. It's an, it's an external element. It's not Him. And therefore, and therefore their finitude 
What we're saying really is like this. The finitude of the malachim is absolute. They are really finite because they're created from these letters of speech that are, that are not Hashem. They're just external powers of Hashem, but they're not Hashem Himself. Neshamas, even though somewhere in this whole process we become finite and we become limited, but that's not the nucleus of who we are. The nucleus of who we are is we're part of, we come from Hashem's thoughts, and the thoughts are one with Him. So really, really, who are we really in our essence? We really are Him. And that's why when we can receive the Torah and now we can... So what's the difference without Torah and mitzvahs? Without Torah and mitzvahs, it's only that our neshama, once upon a time, or in our quintessence of our soul as it is, deep, 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 in our sub, 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 subconscious, once upon a time, our soul is one with God. Fine, but that's not expressed. Through Torah and mitzvahs, we take that and we're given expression in the most concrete form of our life, in the physical activities that we do, that these physical actions are not our actions, it's God. It's God being done through us. But only we can facilitate that because of that power of the neshama. That's what he's going to explain in the next paragraph. They said, give your glory in heaven. It wasn't given to them. And the reason is, the coming into being of the angels. They come from speech. Like it says, he quotes a pasuk, with the breath of Hashem's mouth, cults of um, all the hosts. And that's and the power of speech. Speech is meant, it's called the revealed world. Why is it called the revealed world? Because it's the power that, that is meant to be revealed to the outside. It's not private. It's, it's, the, it's, it's your external self. Um, just like physical speech of a person. By way of analogy. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, the, it's the second garment. Because we have three garments, thought, speech, and action. So speech is not the lowest garment, but it's the middle garment. The lowest garment is activity, action. Um, but, but, but yet, speech is considered the middle one. It's not so unified. It is unified with the soul, but not to such a degree. That's why we learned earlier that Hashem sometimes does unify with the angels. But that's only, a, that's only sometimes. It's not, it's not standard. Because just like speech is not really unified with the speaker. It emerges from the concealed to the revealed, outside of the person, to someone outside. And that's the thing. And what happens to speech? That's another idea. Besides for speech, you see you can put it on, you can take it off. It's like an external garment. You see something else. What happens to the words once you speak them? They leave you. They leave you so much that you don't have control over them anymore. Once you said something and you put it out there, others can do with it what they want. They can misquote it. They can say it to people that you don't want them to say it to. All the time we say something and then we, and then we, 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 we kick ourselves, whatever, why we, why we said it. Because now the word got out, and this one knows, and this one said, and this one this. More than that, people can even take your words and quote it and not give you credit for it. They can plagiarize what you're saying, which means you lose complete control over the words. They're outside of you. Thought, you're always in control of. Because your thoughts are always in your own private domain. They're inside. They're not outside. No one, no one owns it. No one can take it. It becomes an entity unto its own. Mashiach in Yisrael... Not so the Jewish people. That's angels. They arose in Hashem's thoughts. Which is the internal garment. 
that is unified with the soul. That's why it's the concealed world, meaning it's something that is concealed within the within the within Hashem. Because thought the thought is like the hidden world. And the thought, he it is unified in with the intellectual soul. Tamid all the time. Believe Pirud, without any separation, you never can di- you can never unhook the thought. More than that, you cannot have any stream of consciousness without thought. It's not possible to have any revelation of seichel, of any intelligence, klal, beloy machshava, without thought. You're actually thinking words. But as we said, but the words are a garment. Because, how do you know it's a garment? Because you can change the words at any time. You can think the same idea in different words. But yet, even though you can think it in different words, but you have to think. But with the words of speech, the, the, the intellect is not, is not enclosed. In speech, you can invest your, your intelligence and speak words of intelligence. Or that you can choose to have the intellectual experience without the words, without saying it. If you do want to speak, you can speak. If not, not. That shows that it's separated from you. If you can choose to wear it or not, just like you can go to your closet, to your wardrobe, and choose what you're going to wear. I'm putting it on, I'm taking it off. But your body, for instance, you can't choose. That's exactly. Your soul can't choose whether today it wants to wear the body or tomorrow it doesn't want to wear the body. I mean, if the, I'm a person can do something stupid. But generally, uh, you know, you're alive, you're alive. Your nisham is in a body. You can't take off the body. It's, it's just there because the two are unified. As opposed to clothing, you can choose to put them on. That's the difference between thought and, thought and speech. Speech is like a garment, and thought is like the body. It's part. Even, even though the body is not the neshama, but they're stuck together. They're, the same is also above. There's letters. What does it mean, letters above? What does letters mean? Letters mean every, what is a letter? A letter means powers that are drawn out. Osios. Osios comes from the word asaboker, morning is coming. Something is emerging. So through letters, things emerge. Ideas emerge, thoughts emerge, feelings emerge, right? Morning is coming. He's coming with myriads of angels. So by Hashem, there is letters of speech, which from them come the angels. And there are letters of thought, that's where the Jewish souls go up, as it says, Yisrael, all of the And he says, here's the amazing thing. The letters of God's thoughts, which letters are these? Which letters are the letters of Hashem's thoughts? So we know what the letters of speech are. We know what letters of speech are. You know what the letters of speech are? When Hashem created the world, the ten utterances, those are the letters of Hashem's speech. Hashem, Eis Ladaber, is a time to talk. And Hashem spoke the world into creation. Hashem spoke the universe, physical world, spiritual world, including the angels. But then there is a deeper world of, of, of letters by God. And what is that? That's the Torah. The Torah is also letters, but they're the letters of God's thought. They're not the letters of God's speech. That's the difference between Aseres Hadibros and Asara Mamoros. Asara Mamoros Nivra Olam, those are the letters of Hashem's, the, the, the letters that Hashem created the world with. That's the letters of speech. The letters of Torah is, is the letters of thought. 
And guess what? How many letters of Torah are there? 600,000 letters of the Torah. Even though, if you're going to count in the Torah, you're not going to find 600,000 letters. You're going to find about 300,000, about half. But, this, but the, the Kabbalah explained that there are, that certain letters are considered two letters because Oisius um, there are letters that, are, that you pronounce, you're there when you're pronouncing it even though it's not written. There's certain letters that are just, they're not there. Like sometimes you find, for instance, a word missing a vav. Koil, it could be written without a vav. He's called Oisius HaHemshech. So with that, it comes out 600,000 letters. Only God knows the Cheshman. 600,000 letters in the Torah. Why 600,000? Every neshama is one letter of Hashem's thought which make up the Torah. So really the Torah and the Jewish people really are inherently one. Because the letters of the Torah are the neshamas. There are 600,000 root souls. And even though there are millions of Jews throughout history, we are all pieces. Because even a letter is made up from different parts. For instance, a hay has a line on the top, a line on the side, and a little thing. So you think about it, it can be three neshamas, all, all one hay, making up one hay. And even the letters also have crowns. So the different neshamas, but we're all part of the letters. And 600,000 root souls, which later splinter into many. So the 600,000 root souls are the 600,000 letters of God's thoughts, which each letter is another neshama. So the neshamas are Hashem's, and the neshamas are inherently one with the Torah. That's why the Malachim can't get the Torah, because even though they're letters too, but they're in a far more inferior kind of letter. It's an external letter, in compared to the deep letters of the soul, which the Neshamas are. Ki, uh, as he says, Ki samach riboy because the 600,000 letters of the Torah, hence samach riboy nishmas Yisrael. These are the 600,000 roots of Jewish Neshamas. Sha'oisi now these oisiyos, their garments, and like Elio says in Tikkun Ezoar, levushin tekinas line. You created garments, dimenayu parche nishmasin lebnei nashi. He's proving this idea that neshamas come from from Hashem's thoughts, which are which are the oisiyos, because the, he says that the the, the oisiyos are called garments, and it says in Tikkun Ezoar that levushin tekinas line. You made garments. Which what are these garments? These are your thoughts. Which from these letters of thought, which are these garments, souls souls fly out from, souls emerge from. These these osios they create the neshamas, or they are the neshamas. The Jewish people arose in the inner thought. This is the inner garment. Which the quality of the inner garment is shemis nefesh. It's one with the soul. In this case, who is the soul? The soul is Hashem. He is the soul. His garment are his thoughts, and the neshamis are they are neshamis. How can we both be finite and at the same time be godly? And the answer: well, We are those thoughts. That's what thought is. Thought is on the one hand, it's only one thought. I'm thinking one word. I'm, but yet, even though you're thinking only one word, being that you're dealing in speech, if you said one word, the word is fixed to be that word. But in thought, the energy of the letter is not really fixed in that letter because that very one word that you're thinking is part of the thinker, and the thinker is not limited. The word is limited, but the thinker is not limited. And since in thought, the word is still connected to the thinker, so really the neshama has... 
The Nisham is finite, but it's linked up with an infinite power. So it's really, really amazing. And that's why the Jew is like the, 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 he, the Jew is the in-between the finite and the infinite. And the Jew can take the infinite and channel it into the finite, into the world. Because he's those, those letters that are, they're in the twilight zone. They're in the, in the, uh, in the, in the, in the place of convergence where, where finite and infinite meet, if you can say. Um, and this is what's called in the Zohar, He and his garments are one in them. He's one with the, gar- with the garment, which are these neshamas, which are souls. Bir Adover in the explanation of the matter, a little bit, a little bit more on this. Now the Zohar says an interesting thing. The Zohar says, God is one with his emanations, and God is one with his garments. What does that mean? What is the emanations and one of the garments? So we know, for instance, we know that um, there are ten sefirot, ten attributes. And in the ten attributes, the attributes are made up of what we call oros and kalim, lights and vessels. That the, for instance, there is the attribute of kindness. So in the attribute of kindness, there is the vessel of kindness, the kaliachesed. And then there's the energy that flows in the kindness. And we say like this. The, the, we understand that the vessel even though the vessel is also godly, because the ten sefirot are godly, we understand that the vessel is far more limited than the energy that flows in it. Let me give an example. The, the, the example for the sefirot that is brought many times to understand sefirot, like the attribute, is if God is going to create a finite world and um, He is infinite, so how is how are you gonna how are you gonna communicate from the infinite to the finite? So he and when we say he's infinite, it means he doesn't have any any descriptions, he doesn't have any definitions. But he's gonna create a very defined, limited, and 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 so how is it gonna happen? So we say he's funneling his energy through the vessel. So let's give a physical example. Um, you have pure light, and the pure light is just pure light, but you want to have colorful light. So if you're going to feed the light, if you're going to shine the light through various different colored glass, like a traffic light, so you're going to have the effect that's going to be a red light, a yellow light, and a green light. You know, all the different colors. Now you understand that there's a difference. The glass is really green. The, the, or really yellow, or really red. The light that's coming through that shining red light or green light or yellow light is not really yellow or really green. It's just that it's, as it's passing through that, that color, it's having the effect of red light and green light and yellow light. Even though, in essence, the light still remains. It's not that it acquired the color. It's not like it's going through a paint or a tint where the light is actually getting colored in that color. It's just flicking through as it's going through that glass. So the same as when we say like this, the ore that's going into the sefirot is pure. It's not chesed. The same light that's in chesed can go into gevura. It's only that when it's passing through chesed, it's a pure energy of God, it's going to act in a chesedic way. If it's that energy is being funneled through the attribute of toughness, the attribute of discipline, it's going to be a disciplining energy. It's going to come through the different colors. 
But then the kalim, the vessel is already far more defined and limited. So that's the difference. We say God is one with his emanations. Those are the lights. And then we say God is one with his vessels, that even the vessels, which are already powers of, of limitation, because they're vessels, yet God is one with them. So the, the explanation of the matter is, Now we say that, when we say that Hashem is one with our neshamas, that our neshamas are one with him, on which level of oneness are we one with him? One with the, he and his emanations, or he and his garments? Which He and his garments, because we were just explained earlier. That even though the neshama is one, it's one on the level of he is one with his garments. Because we said before, a thought is still a thought. So it's limited. But yet, because it's a letter, it's one particular letter, you're thinking one thought. But yet, as long as it's you, you're inside of it, so the, the thought and the thinker can't be, can't be differentiated. So, but it's... So it's even though it's one, it's less than the oneness that he's one with his energies. Um, oh, hold on. Let me step one, one step back before we understand, get, get a better understanding. Let's, let's find an example in the human experience where you have something that is unified with the person even more than thought. Something even deeper than thought. Speech, external. Thought, unified. It's one with us, our thoughts. And in a sense, we can say it's mamish us. But then there is something else. There is your emotions, your feelings that you have. Or your ideas, your knowledge. Your mindset, your philosophy. What you, the way you think. The way, so I'm not talking about the thinking of your philosophy, that's thought. Let's differentiate. There is the, the concept that you have or the emotions that make up your psychological, emotional, whatever structure of your feelings, what you like and what you dislike and all these things. Now, those emotions, they are you, right? Because the, they're called, in Tanya we refer to them as kochos anefesh, the powers of the soul. The intellect and the emotions, the powers of the soul. Now, they are more you than your thoughts. It's interesting. Every time you give expression to your emotions, you will have to dress the emotion in a, in a garment of thought. But the emotion itself is not the thought. We understand that. The proof is that there are so many, so many emotions that are sitting right now inside of you that are not closed in thought right now because you're trying to listen to what I'm saying over here in the mimer and you're not thinking about this person upset you and this person I'm excited about. All these emotions, we all have a whole, a whole storage house of emotions and feelings and loves and hates and, and the this and that, right? Stuff that we have. And what where are all those thought, all those emotions and all those feelings right now? Right now they're in a pure emotional state. They're not, because they're, you're not, you're not, it's not emerging into your consciousness, into your stream of consciousness. If you are to say, you know what, who do I like? And you want to bring out a feeling of love, if you want to pull forth a feeling from your subconscious, and you want to pull it out into your consciousness, ooh, then you're going to have to activate your garment. Which garment? The garment of thought. And take those letters and allow now 
you allow your, your, your emotion to, to start breaking itself down into your consciousness through words. That's when you're putting on a garment. You're giving it a garment. So we understand like this. You and your emotions, but let's understand this. Are you your emotions? Are you? So we're going to say this. The thought is for sure a garment. But how about the emotions? Are they a garment? Or are they you? Emotions are not a garment. Emotions are you. But we understand that even though they're you, they're not mamish mamish you because we know that certain emotions come and go. You can have a love to somebody or to something for such a long time and then something happens in life and, and you change. So you see that, what, that even though these feelings and emotions are deep carvings in who you are, yet they too can change. So what does that tell you? The essential power of life, the soul, is not your emotions and it's not your intellect. But your intellect and your emotions are deep carvings in your soul. They're powers of your soul. And they are far more unified with your soul than your thought. So what we really can do is we have three levels. We have your neshama itself. That's for sure. It's four levels. There is the soul itself. Then there is the kochav tanefesh, the powers. It's the ideas you have and the feelings you have. Powers. Then you have garments. And in garments, you have two garments. We have really three, but we're not talking about the third garment now. You have thought, which you're unified with. And then you have um, speech, which you're not even unified with. You're putting it on only when you want to emerge outside of yourself. See? Three things. There is you... You, shkoyach. It's good. So, ooh. So, the person the person's unity with his kochos anefesh. That's what we mean when we say about Hashem. Let's go back to Hashem. We say, God is one with his emanations. God is one with his, with his garments. What's the difference? Hashem is one with his emanations, is like Hashem, be, like a person being one with his intellect and with his emotions. That's Mamashu. Hashem is one with them. Then, there is a ne- another level of oneness, a lower level of oneness. You are one with your garment, meaning garment of thought. That too, you unify with it. But see, a thought you can, at, at every, see, a feeling is much harder to stop. You, you say, if you decide at, 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 at any given moment, I don't want to love this. I'm not loving this anymore. You can't undo a love instantly. Yes, there are certain things that can weaken a love and weaken and weaken and weaken until it, or you can do exercises. If you know that there's a certain love in your life, a certain thing you're attached to which isn't good for you, you can slowly, slowly, slowly chip away at it and, and undo it. But you can't just decide. A thought, that you're thinking a thought, and you know this is not good for me to think it, you can stop thinking that thought and think something else. So the thought you can stop cold turkey. What's going to happen, however, to the thought probably is since there is an emotion beneath it that's, that's causing the thought, 
you're probably going to come back two minutes again to the thought. But then you can push the thought out again. But thought you can divorce yourself from. You can separate yourself. Why? Because it's a garment. The feelings are you. They're not, they're not a garment. They're not you in your deepest place, but they are you. And that's the difference. Hashem and His emanations are one, and Hashem and His garments are one. Nisham, Malachim are speech. Nisham is a thought. Torah is Hashem's intelligence. So Torah is even more than the letters. Torah is the wisdom, where Hashem is one with His wisdom. But where does a person think, <laughs> where does a person think his, his intelligence? I'll put it this way. Where does a person become conscious of his own intelligence in his thought? As we said before, in order, to, in order to bring something into your consciousness, you have to allow it into your thought. So where does Torah, which is Hashem's wisdom, manifest in Jewish souls, which the Jewish souls are the words, are the letters. And that's why the Jewish neshamas are the keli for the Torah. It has to be given to them. It can't be given to the malachim. That's what he's explaining here. Wabir Hashem is one with, with his emanations. Chachma, which is the power of Hashem is one with it. Chachma is called his emanations. The Ihu, and who is the Ihu? We say he is one. God himself. Who is infinitely above Mibchinas Chachma from Chachma. Nevertheless, when Hashem enclothes himself in Chachma, God becomes totally one with his Chachma. Like the Ramam explains that by God, he and his knowledge are one. And Hashem and his Chachma are one. Good, that's what it means, iu v'chiyuchad. V'iu v'garmiu, when we say he and his garments are one, ko'yi al-pchinas oisiyas ha-machshava. That's referring to the letters of thought. She'keshe mislabish o'erein tsev baruchu b'pchinas ha-machshava. When God enclothes himself in thought, she'u pchinas garmu, these are already much more vessels. These are far, these are already more external. She'em pchinas oisiyas, these are garments, a levushin, Garments you have said. There too he becomes one. He becomes one with his garments. Because his thoughts are different than ours. He becomes his garments. He becomes totally one with the thought. And therefore now we understand. The Torah was not given to angels. Because they're not even in the level of thought. Since they come from speech, which is only the 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 the, the media, the middle uh, garment, that's not so unifiable with the soul. Like thought, which is the deep and inner inner garment. That's why Malachim are not capable to draw down the unification of the Ein Sof in their Torah study, if they were to study Torah. And, the, and their Avodah of Mitzvahs. That, the unit, that their activity, God should unify and channel through them because they're letters of speech. That's not, that's not one with Him. They cannot draw it down below, like down here, like He's up there. 
only the Jewish people. We have that capability because we come from Hashem's thoughts and the thought is unified with the thinker. That's why Hashem can give us the Torah mitzvahs down here. The Chiddush is that what? That Hashem did not give this to us when we were pure souls. He gave it to us only when our neshamas came down in this coarse garment called the body. Why? That's what he explains in the next piece. That the Ebeshter, even though it's the quality of our soul that makes us a mochutin, that makes us a candidate and capable of learning, of learning Torah and doing mitzvahs and channeling the divine, it's because of the quality of that unity of our neshama has with Hashem, yet that power is not given to us only when we're here in this world. And he explains, Even though the quality of the Jewish people is greater than the angels, because of their souls, as we said earlier, nevertheless, the Torah was not given to them, only when they come down in a body, the nefesh and not only in a body, but we also get an, anim, an animal soul, which comes from the klipa, which is unholy, which drives us crazy, which all day long wants attention. And that's our animal consciousness that's always looking for physical pleasure. And only in this setting, where the soul is, is, is who's so pure and holy and godly, is 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 buried in a in a in a heavy, coarse dense garment of a body and an animal soul full of Yetzirah, only then was it given the Torah and for it is known, the, the ultimate purpose of the Neshama coming down to this world, to be enclosed in a body. Here's the thing. Our souls are pure and wonderful and great and holy and they come from God's thoughts and they're unified like he and his thoughts are one fantastic but when the neshama comes down in a body it's for the sake of an ascent even though when it comes in a body it becomes worse than a creation there it's so godly it becomes a creation it becomes a rebellious creation that's what the body does all day it's full of rebelliousness against God doesn't even want to know Hashem yet through the struggle with the body the neshama gets elevated to levels, whoa, way, way above. Where is the neshama going? Wow. How is it possible to go higher? Well, that's what he explains now. We said that the neshama, which level of unity does it have with God? Like God unifies with his thoughts. He and his garments are one. We understand that his oneness with his garment is far inferior to his oneness with his emanations. His oneness with his own power of, with his seichel, just like a person. You're so much more one with your emotions than you are with your thoughts, even though you're one with your thoughts as well. It's a lesser oneness. So the same is also the neshamas come from Hashem's thoughts, but now they need to ascend to become one, one mamish with him, not like he is one with his thought. Because thought, even though it's one, and he's going to say it over here, you're one with your thought, you can't stop thinking, but you can still change the thought. You can say, I don't want to think this thought, I'll think that. That means that there's still level of separation. But when you become an emotion of God, you can't drop an emotion. Imagine, where once we were God's thoughts, now we became Hashem's emotions, Hashem's feelings, Hashem's ideas. The ascent from 
from one level to the next level is be is 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 marvelous. Is be and we. But here's the thing: in order to ascend from being in Hashem's thoughts to become Him, we need to come down in a body and struggle with the density of life and the challenges of life. So to lift the neshama up from being one with him, from Hashem being one with his garments, to Hashem being one with his emanations. The Zohar terms it like this. The Zohar says, you know why neshama comes down in a body? In order for it to merit to become absorbed in the body of the king. Till now, it's the garments of the king. Now it needs to ascend from being the garment of the king to become the body of the king. What did we say earlier? The difference between a garment and the body. You're not your body and you're not your dress. But yet there's a difference between your dress and your body. Your dress you can put on and take off. Your body you can't take off. And that's the idea. When the neshama comes down here, it becomes so unified with Hashem that it becomes through its work. To become absorbed in the body of the king. To become unified like the body with the soul. When the neshama comes down in a body, it's not like, sometimes we think, the neshama comes in a body, it's like there is a body, and inside the body there is a soul. That's not what happens. And you say, what's really alive is the soul, but the body which is dead is being schlepped around by the soul. The soul is carrying a dead body. That's not what's going on. When the neshama goes down in the body, the neshama and the body become one. Body and soul become one entity for the duration of time that they're together become one body. And that's why when you have, pain, when you have physical pain, it causes a pain in the soul. So like, well, my, my body hurts. No, I'm hurting. Because the person feels the pain. Um, every pain and every 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 uh, hurt, every ache or 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 or, or wound, that is in the body, God forbid, the soul feels it, and it is affected by the occurrences of the body, because they become joined together, and they become totally one. The neshamas themselves can never ascend from God's thought into Hashem's body. They can't do it on their own. They must come down in a, in a body. Because they remain stuck in Hashem's thoughts. It's a garment. As we said earlier, the neshamas come from the menayu parcha neshmasin. Neshmasin come from levush. From garment. Because the letters of thought compared to the soul even though the neshama is unified with them. We said earlier, you can't have an intellectual idea without thought. But nevertheless, they're still like a garment. You can still switch them. What does that mean? Because one idea, sometimes you can say it in these letters, and other times you put them into other words. And it's not like the body and the soul. Such unity is only in a higher level. Where the soul gets affected by the, by the, by the happenings and occurrences of the body. The ein yichud zeh, 
and such a unity with God cannot happen. The neshama cannot, cannot reveal itself. This unity cannot happen to the soul on its own. Only when she goes down seemingly into a far more compromised state, she goes down in a body. Im nefesh with a vivifying klipa soul, In the end, this is for the sake of an ascent. It goes up much higher than before. And that's why, precisely because of this, is where the Torah was given down here to a body. Because the Torah, the observance of Torah and mitzvahs in this world will enable the neshama, while it's in the body, to move way beyond where the neshama was when the neshama was in heaven. So the neshama in heaven couldn't reach. In other words, he before he explained what makes the neshama a keli for the Torah is the quality of the neshama on its own, that it comes from Hashem's thoughts. But that's a keli for the Torah. But still the purpose of Torah is not fulfilled in that situation. That's why Hashem waits till the neshama comes down in a body. And Dafka over here, it gives it the, the Torah because only through this, the neshama now will go much, much, much higher. And he's going to explain um, a very, very deep concept in um, over here. Now let's do one more piece. To understand this aliyah. Now what, what, how does this happen? How does the neshama ascend from being from Hashem's thoughts and entering into becoming part of Hashem's body, which means becoming like the neshama and guf, inseparable? The Indian and the idea is, and, and no, the question is, how does the body do it? The body seems to be the biggest interference. The body seems to be the biggest, the biggest uh, distractor. And yet we say, no, dafka that body is going to elevate the neshama into a much deeper union with God. The Indian idea is, so he says, let's take a little bit of a d- deeper look into the body and into the animal consciousness and animal soul that we have and see what is it really all about. Down here, it seems to be a chayero. It seems to be a wild beast. Mamish, a, a, a total... That's what you say. But it belongs in the zoo. I remember once, uh, <laughs> I was in the summer in, in camp. It was a girls' camp in uh, the mountains, about you know, for women, uh, uh, you know, about Shuva camp. I was teaching there, so the whole summer I'm immersed. I'm immersed in Hasidis, like from morning to night. I'm teaching and teaching and teaching. It's great. And during the time, I was up there in the Catskill. So one day we went to a zoo. I went to visit the zoo. And we're looking at, I know, with the kids, we had little kids, so we took them to the zoo. I remember which zoo it was. It was, a good, it was a good zoo. And we're walking around, and I'm looking at, and you know, Jews, wherever they go somewhere, they have to take a lot of food to eat, just in case, you know, just in case you're hungry. So I'm in the zoo, and I'm watching, the, I think it was the camels. Camels, and the, and the camels were, were eating. And you don't see the camels, they put their head in the straw, or the giraffes. And, and they're munching and munching. And then I, I didn't realize, suddenly I realized a very interesting thing. I'm standing right on the side, and I'm also, my hand is also in a bag of pretzels, and I'm munching. 
And at a certain point, I started like realizing, like, where does the cage end? Am I inside? Am I outside? I'm doing the exact same thing like this thing. I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm munching. And, and it was a realization, because here I am teaching Hasidus and all this lofty stuff. And then I find myself in the zoo. And then I say, you know what? I feel like I'm like mamish, one of the beings, like right over here doing the exact. What do I mean? It was the same thoughtlessness of this animal. And, he, and he's also thoughtless. And he's just munching. And I'm also the same thoughtlessness. I'm not hungry now. I don't have to eat. There's absolutely no reason why I'm eating these pretzels. I'm eating it. Why? Because the same reason the camel is eating it. It feels good. I'm doing the same thing. So the question over here is, how is it that this animal that belongs in the zoo, is it really, how is this going to elevate your soul to the deepest, the neshama coming down and being roommates with this, with this, with this uh, room and board, with this animal <laughs> for 70, 80, 90, 120 years? Whoa! This is going to elevate our soul that's part of God's thoughts into God's essence. doesn't make any sense. So the Rebbe says, let's find out a little bit more about this animal creature and see where, where does it come from. Maybe it too has a, a nicer source, even though down here it's pretty corrupted. So let's see. This vivifying animal soul, it too comes from a lofty place. Nowhere as lofty as the neshama comes from. The neshama comes from Hashem's thoughts. Pretty awesome. But the, the animal soul also has a spiritual source because we know that every physical entity, every, every animal, every spirit down here has a, has a source and a higher because everything in this world you know, uh, Hasidus teaches us about a process of evolution where worlds evolve one from the other. So every creature in this world has a spirit above, and that spirit even has a, a spirit higher than that, and that is even a higher spirit. From the supernal, so where do they come from? So all animals in this world come from the supernal animals above. We see in Davening, we speak about the Malachim, we call them beasts. Chayas HaKodesh. And we also know there is a Merkava. There's a chariot. Chayas HaKodesh Merkava. So ultimately, our animal souls comes from the animals that are in God's chariot. Obviously, this is a very poor version, a very poor translation of those animals. Because those animals are glowing with light. They're God's chariot. They sing to Hashem all day long. And they're carrying Hashem's throne. But yet there is a relationship between our animal and those animals. And he's going to say something very, very powerful about those animals. Those animals that are in the divine chariot, they're not physical animals, they're angels which are compared to animals. They have, on the one hand, they're creations. They're, they're, they're creations, they're not godly. But on the other hand, they have a certain power that transcends even the godly. How is that possible? Creations of God have a power, yes. It says that they carry the throne. And they're lifting Hashem up. They carry the throne. Which means the throne itself cannot rise. And it needs... Just like a person is being carried by a carriage. Drawn by horses. So the horses are leading the carriage with the rider. The rider is much greater as far as a sophisticated human being. Yet he can't go where the horses will take him. The same is also the, 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 the godly the Hashem. What that, what that means, we'll see more soon. The divine attributes, the, the Shekhinah and all that, is being lifted through the Merkava, through the, the Malachim higher. So you see, they have a mysterious power. So first of all, what does it mean they're lifting God higher? Hashem can be lifted higher. The answer is, they're not lifting God. They're lifting the, the side, the part of Hashem that's called man. What part of Hashem is called man? Hashem descends 
Hashem descends into, um, into the spherot. And when the Orient Sof, when the Infinite One descends into the spherot, which the spherots have certain characteristics of a human being, Chachma, Chesed, all these attributes, then Hashem is called man. And that's called the Adol, the man. Then there are the Merkava, the chariot with the angels. Now once Hashem descends, His infinite light descends into the spheros, we understand that the, the energy is dramatically reduced. Even though we're talking about God. But God's light, once it's already in its attributes, it's like endlessly filtered. It's far, far weaker. What these beasts of the chariot that carry the Shekhinah, that carry the divine attributes, that carry the Adom, the supernal man, it means what, they, what they're able to do is they're able to lift the sephirot, the attributes, to a level that's beyond the attributes, to touch the infinite light, to touch the insof. The Adam is able to go up to a place called Kilo Adam, that's higher than Adam. Why do they have that power? We'll see later why they have that power. But they have that power. They can carry the... the so even though they're, the re, they're receiving their very existence, their very life force from the Shekhinah, the Shekhinah is creating them and making them every minute, yet they can carry the Shekhinah to a place higher for her, not just the Shekhinah, the Shekhinah and all the attributes that are higher than the Shekhinah, all the way up to the highest attribute called Chachma, for it to go up higher and to raise up, to be to rise up into the Insof. The Inyaz explains here, and it's interesting, and the animal soul comes from these powerful beasts. So now we understand the correlation. Hear this. Just like these animal beasts can carry the Shekhinah to the Ein Sof, to the Orin Sof, to God as He is higher than all attributes, the same way the animal soul down here can carry our godly soul to a place where the godly soul can't go. You see the resemblance? Our godly soul comes from the Shekhinah, comes from the Adam, from the man element. It's much higher than the animal, than the body. Way higher. It's from Hashem's thoughts. But just like up there, the animals carry the, the whole paradigm of godliness, the whole configuration of attributes, to a place beyond the attributes, they have that power. So too, in the human being, in his own, in our miniature, in our um, microcosm, is the macro and the micro. The macro is the attributes above, carried by the beasts, the animals above. Our own little animal, which comes from those animals, also has that ability to lift our neshama to a place where our neshama can't go on its own. That's the idea he's going to develop over here. It's taken from its root, from the holy beasts that are in the chariot, the face of the lion, the fair face of the ox. We know that the chayos carry, and they're also carried with the throne. Since they are bottles, since they are being carried by the throne. Shem betelem elov, they're nullified to him. Kibitul hasus legabe reichvoi, like the nullification of a horse to the rider. Al derech mashal, like by way of analogy, hasus misnag lefiratzen reichvoi, just like a horse that is, that is ridden by the will of his rider. Shal shem zenikrem arkava, this is why it's called a chariot. The chena avos hein ena markava. 
the, our forefathers were also called the chariot because they nullified themselves completely to God, to the rider. Tishai betelem, Tamad liyachuda yizbarach, they're constantly nullified to his unity. Lekachem noisais, it's through this bittel, they carry gamkein asakisei, they carry the throne, kemoy al derech mashal. Just like a horse, on the one hand, the horse has to be completely subservient to the person. And that's the only way we can have benefit from the horse. But on the other hand, once the horse is subservient to the person, he can elevate the human being riding on him to a much higher place. The one that's riding on him is the, is the primary. And the sus is secondary, the tuffle, and nullified. To the one riding on him. The horse can lead the rider. From place to place. To a place where the rider cannot arrive on his own. So to the beasts. They carry the throne. From the place where the throne is, which is very holy in Atsilus, to a far higher and exalted place. The Indian who, what is this idea? How can you pick up the rider, which is, how can you pick up the rider, in this case, which is the Adam, the supernal man, God, to a higher place? it says in the Pasuk, that Hashem is in the image, in the image of a man. Now, the very idea that we say that he's in the image of a man means that he's limited. Now, when we say, oh, so that's what he's emphasizing. It's not that he's a real man. It's only looks like a man. What does that mean? Through a process of evolving, from world to world, from the beginning of all levels, Hashem descends down in through a form of man. The idea of man is that there is the right side, the left side, and the center, just like a human being is made with the right, left, and center. Yad Yamin, right hand, smoy, left side, the emtsa, and the middle of Aguf is the body itself. So there is the order of evolving. Chesed Yamuna, the right hand of Hashem, which is kindness, Gavur is the left hand, is the left hand. And these angelic beings, when they carry the throne, they carry the Adam that's upon them, to a place higher than them, to a place called the plate that he's not a man. Meaning, once Hashem is a man, there's already a certain fixed, because he has already attributes. And they lift them up to beyond the entire order of evolving levels. What's the point of going up to a higher place? The point is to draw down extra vitality. Because once the light is coming into the attributes, it's already very, very filtered and screened and limited. To draw down from there, to draw down to the level of Adam that's on the throne. A new flow and a new light. From the encompassing light that's higher than the world, to the level up, to the godliness that's within creation, you draw from the source down. Because, like we say, we say about Hashem that you are wise. When we say that Hashem is wise, it's not, not that Hashem is wise, it means that He enclothes Himself in wisdom. 
For who ba'atzma is barach, but he himself, Ram Venisa, is exalted and elevated. Kalav me called in and midas ihu kalal. Hashem is not of any of these midas. Visham namar, and over there it says, Kiloy adamu, Hashem is not an adam. She'ena makabel shinuyim. Hashem doesn't accept changes. Because in one pasuk it refers to God as adam. And in another person it says he's not an another pasuk it says he's not an adam. So is he or is he not? The answer is, once he descends into the attributes, then he's adam. But when he is above, he's not. And, he, and Hashem is in both places at the same time. The point over here is when you want to recharge creation, you want to, you want to, you want to bring in new power and new energy, you have to lift the, 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 the fixed order to the beyond fixed, to the endless, to the loy order. And over there, over there there's no changes, and over there there can't be this level or that level, which is what make up Adam. Chesed the right, the left, Adam, which all is only applicable in the level called Adam. Because it goes from level, from one source to the from, from cause to effect, from the beginning of all levels, which is the world of Atsilas, until you get down through all worlds, till it evolves the world of Asiya, which is the life force of this physical earth, which is being sustained from God saying, let the waters gather and let we see the dry land. Let the earth give forth vegetation. What he's saying is, God descends lower and lower and lower and lower until he creates all these limited things. But the godliness that's in the physical world is also sort of limited. That's called the indwelling light of God. But then there is the, in, the encompassing light of Hashem as it is. And we want to take this, this, this chain, chain energy that's within the world, charge it back up with the infinite light that's beyond. That, and that brings new things in the world. Is the encompassing light. Which is the orin soif. And that's completely concealed. And we know that that is equal everywhere, because it doesn't change. It's not shaykh to say that an atzilus is more and in our world is less. It's not at all within this whole context. Because by him, darkness and light is equal. And he's just as much down here. And all before him is not. And also the world of atzilus. And even beyond atzilus. Even though is like one droplet in an ocean. The entire hishtalshalut of all the levels, the whole, all the sefirot and everything and all the energy in the world, it's, it's like a drop in the ocean. Think about it. One drop in the ocean of energy compared to the rest. And sometimes he explains that even that is only a mashal. It's much, much less than that. Infinitesimally drop. That's called Adam. The drop. And we understand that if you really want life, you want to break out of that drop and get into the ocean itself and grab the entire ocean. <speaking in Hebrew> Through powerful contractions, Netzlu, it was emanated, Chesed <speaking in Hebrew> Chesed, the right arm, Teferes, Gufa, Teferes, the, the body. Chachma, Moicha, Chachma is the brain, Bina, Liba. This is all a drop. Karkafta, the Tfilin. This is all the man that's on the throne. That's a very limited version, so to speak, of Hashem. 
In order to draw down from that which is beyond Adam, Adam to the level of Adam. In order to connect the two, Leos Antu Chakim for Hashem to be invest himself in Chachma. From Shachas Gimel Kavin, and Hashem should draw himself down into the three Kavin. Chesed Royimina Chesed is the right arm Chulu. Zaisu Avoides Hamalachim. That's what the Malachim do. Laharim to raise, Laharim to lift, Ulanasis and to raise as Akisei the throne. Ukemara. And the Adam, and the, the one who appears like man that's above it, to connect him to the level that's not called Adam, it's beyond Adam. And to draw forth from there a new light, and a new energy, into the level called man. The same we say also about the Avais, that they were also called the chariot. Just like there is a chariot of Malachim, there's also a chariot of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. They're a higher level of chariot. They do the same thing. They elevate Hashem's attributes. That the chesed, the gevure, the teferes, should be nullified in the Orient Soif, as we say, they too should come out of their limitations and their boundaries and be nullified to the source from where they all come from. And through there, they too will draw down new energy and new life force. So through them and, and with them, godly, godly revelation should flow. The Orient Soif, Baruch Mamish, and the Orient Soif himself. Just like the Malachim do it through also through their bittel, so the Avais as well, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, through their Mesiras Nefesh, Bitshuka, and their longing, Vitzimaoin, and their thirst, Likol, to be absorbed and nullified, Bo'erin Saif Baruchu, in the infinite light, Mamish, Avram, Bemidas Ava, Avram did it with his attribute of love. Kemashikasav Avram, Avi, as it says, Avram, the one who loves me. The Yitzchak b'midas gevura, and Yitzchak in his way through his gevura. Kamashakasa v'pachad Yitzchak, the dread of Yitzchak. The chena nachnu that's them. We too zera Avram ayhavcha. We have Avram Levinu's genes in us, so we can also do this. Bnei Yitzchak yichidai kamashakasa yichudu. Why they kiyom on mitzvahs v'atayra? So through our fulfillment of mitzvahs and tayra, ki yesh mitzvah shem bepchenes halo. There are mitzvahs that are more in the Yitzchak field. These are all belong to the raising things up like Yitzchak. That tzedakah raises up. There are mitzvahs that are more related to the side of kindness, which means it's a flow downward, which is all about drawing godliness down. And with them and through them, the, 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 the nefesh is raised up where? That's the idea. Just like the Merkava raises God, the nefesh olam, the soul of the world, to the beyond soul of the world, to the infinite light that's higher than the world, so too mitzvahs that when we do over here, and we do them in the physical, with our physical bodies, that has the ability to lift our neshama up to the Ein Sof, higher than the spheros, and from there draw down. And the Ein Sof will reveal itself in the Nefesh again, but it needs something that comes from the Malachim, because the Malachim are the ones who can lift it up. And that is our animal soul. 
When Torah and mitzvahs are enclosed in the three colors, Torah, Avod, Gemilas, Chasadim, Chasad, Roi, Yemina, Chasad, the right hand, Mamayla, Lamata, from down up, Bavoidu, Avoidus, Arkabonois, Mamata, Lamayla, Isherech, Nichoach, Avod is going up, the Esek, Atoru, Kava, Mamitza, and Torah is the middle. Because Torah has within it elevation and descent. That's why it's called the middle bar. goes from one end to the other end. He's saying like this. See, it's more than that. He's saying is that Torah and mitzvahs are the spheral, just like Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. So you have mitzvahs done. But that's, again, spheral are limited. In order to draw the Torah and mitzvahs and connect the Torah and mitzvahs to the Ein Sof, that's higher than the spheros. That's again that. That's the reason we couldn't do Torah and mitzvahs when we were in Ganeid and just Neshamas, because they would remain stuck in 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 the sefirot element. It's only the Chayos Hakodesh, only the Malachim that are able to carry the throne beyond the beyond the sefirot into the Ein Sof. The same is also Dafke the body. Which comes from these malachim, the, 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 the vivifying spirit has the ability to lift us up into uh, um, to elevate the Torah that's higher than Adam Adam who to the level where he's not a man who al yedeis Yisrael is dafke through the Yidden Shem Avram Yitzchak veYaakov they're descendants of Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov the, and we have the Merkava element from them. The Yerushalayim, Avayseinu, we have the Yerusha from our fathers, Hachukevatzimon, the longing, to be absorbed in the Orient Seif. Just like Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov were the Merkava, so to our Neshamas are also the we also have that, our Neshamas are that Merkava through our longing. This Koach was given to us in Matan Torah, both things, to channel down. And that, and, and that through our Mesiras Nefesh and our nullification and our yearning, we should elevate to the Ein Sof. Because two things we're accomplishing. We're elevating to the Ein Sof and then we're drawing down from the Ein Sof. These two powers were given by Matan Torah. And they should lift up the Adam Gimel Kavin Lamaila, the three Kavin Lamaila. Lamaila Mabchenas Adam. Higher than Adam Lamaila Kaniska, as we said earlier. And through them, Val Yadam, and then through them, Yimshach Gili Alakus. There should be Gili Alakus, Vorein Saif Parachushalamailam Abchenas Adam. And the Orein Saif that's higher than Adam, the Asik Tairasam Vavidasam. In their engagement of Torah and Avodah, Bekiyam Amitzvah Shebbchenas Adam. When we do the mitzvahs on the level of Adam, but in them should flow that's beyond Adam, that's beyond the supernal man. That's the idea of Anochi. Anochi means I. Is referring to the Oirin Saif himself. It's higher than any name than the Yishtalshalos. God says, I myself, I want to be your power. That your activity should not just be attributes. Your activity should draw down the Ein Sof. That he should reveal himself in the soul of man, Mamish. Why, why are you saying Havaya? Havaya is already, Yudke Vavke is already Sephirotic. The answer is, yeah, 
through the Yudke Vavke, because without the Yudke Vavke, it can never enter us. So it has to go through the channel of Yudke. A contraction. But to the Yidin, this Havaya is not Havaya. This Havaya is Anochi. It's Hashem Himself that contracts Himself into the Havaya, into the Yudke Vavke, to become your God. In other words, there is Havaya, Yudke Vavke, as it is applying just the Sefirot, without the Anochi, without God in it. That's, that's the Adab, the supernal man. But then there is the Anochi Havaya. I am the Havaya. I want to put my entire self into Havaya. Oh. But in order to have that ability to connect to the beyond man and not remain swimming in the world of Adam, but to touch that's beyond Adam, Dafka bislab shusa beguf v'nefesh achiyunis. Dafka when the neshama comes down in a body, and a vivifying soul, a vitalizing soul that comes from those creatures who have the ability to take the throne and bring it to the low adam to raise it up. They can carry the throne, umara adam sha'alav, and the appearance of man that's above it. To the level that's loy adam. The neshama is going to arrive. It's going to get a far greater advantage. When it's enclosed in them, there will be the descent for the sake of the event. The ascent. In other words, it goes down in a body. It comes down in a very compromised state. But they, they themselves will give the neshama the potent power to transcend the entire order. So this, this Indian was given dafke in a body. What's the secret of the body? What's the secret of these malachim? The secret of them are, is that their source is in the world of tohu, which we didn't speak about today yet. Because they come from the world of tohu, which is higher than tikkun, they have that, that ability to go to the low adam place. Because tohu was a place where there was infinite light. The vessels couldn't handle it. But that we're going to leave for next week. We're going to finish the Mimer. Um, this idea, whole idea of um, how this works. Okay. There's a beer on the Mimer too. And then there's another beer on the Mimer. Main thing is, we're very powerful.